0: Loving Father in heaven, glory be unto your name, dear Lord, for your mercy, your love and kindness which you have graciously bestowed upon us. You're giving us freely the air to breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat and even the basic necessities of life and conveniences. And in all things we give you thanks because we know that you are treating us far better than what we deserve. We worship you, Lord, and say glory be unto your name. We want to be instruments by which your will will be done. We do not want to give you lip service. We want our bodies to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. Therefore, Lord, as we fellowship with you, please help us, Lord to be equipped and strengthened to do your will and to be a glory to your name speak to us dear lord and grant us of your holy spirit that all the graces and the fruits of the holy spirit shall be developed in us through our study do all this and take the glory in jesus name i have prayed amen Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 13 A Holy Purpose O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11 Nehemiah one of the Hebrew exiles occupied a position of influence and honor in the Persian court. As cupbearer bearer to the king, he was admitted freely to the royal presence. Through this man, God proposed to bring blessing to his people in the land of their fathers. The Hebrew Patriot learned that days of trial had come to Jerusalem, the chosen city. The returned exiles were suffering affliction and reproach. The work of restoration was hindered. The temple services were disturbed and the people kept in constant alarm by the fact that the walls of the city were still largely in ruins. The Nehemiah had often poured out his soul in behalf of his people. But now, as he prayed, a holy purpose formed in his mind. He resolved that if he could obtain the consent of the king and the necessary aid in procuring implements and material, he would himself undertake the task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Four months, Nehemiah waited for a favorable opportunity to present his request to the king. He had a sacred trust to fulfill in which he required help from the king. And he realized that much depended upon his presenting the matter in such a way as to win his approval and enlist his aid. I prayed, he said, to the God of heaven. In that brief prayer, Nehemiah pressed into the presence of the king of kings and won to his side a power that can turn hearts as the rivers of waters are turned. To pray as Nehemiah prayed in his hour of need is a resource at the command of the Christian under circumstances when other forms of prayer may be impossible. In times of sudden difficulty or peril, the heart may send up its cry for help to one who has pledged himself to come to the aid of his faithful believing ones whenever they call upon him. In every circumstance, under every condition, the soul, weighed down with grief and care, or fiercely assailed by temptation, may find assurance, support, and succor in the unfailing love and power of a covenant-keeping God. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Holy Purpose 13 years after the departure of Ezra from Persia to Jerusalem, the work of the building and restoration of Israel, both the cities, streets and also the moral reform that was to be instituted was not progressing at all. The wall was not built. The city, the streets were still in ruins, everything still was in disarray. Some of the Jews who were taken into captivity to Babylon were still scattered around the kingdom of Persia. One of those Jews was Nehemiah. King Artaxerxes I, who gave the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, was still in power at the time. It was still difficult even though he commanded that everything needed by Ezra be given him and that the city should be built. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king who was very much concerned about what was going on in Israel and desired to see the restoration of God's people. It was a sad thing for him to know that their city was still in ruins. Since the days of Cyrus in 538 BC, almost 100 years had elapsed. And even though the captivity of Israel was overturned, they were still unable to go back to their for, to their homeland and dwell securely because the country was in ruins. Now, in 444 BC, in the twentieth year of King Attaxexus, he got a delegation, as Nehemiah got a delegation from Jerusalem, that brought news which troubled him. Nehemiah chapter one, verse one to three says, "The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah." And it came to pass in the month Chislu in the twelfth year as I was in Shushan the palace that Hanani one of my brethren came he and certain men of Judah and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem and they said unto me the remnants that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach the wall of jerusalem is also broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire now the himaya as a faithful compatriot of jerusalem heard this news and was so unhappy filled with sorrow and sadness in verse 4 it says and it came to pass when i heard these words that i sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the god of heaven and said i beseech thee o lord god of heaven the great and terrible god that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments Let thine eye now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though they were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, Yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. This was a prayer of Nehemiah, and what I see here is a prayer of faith. A prayer of faith is a prayer that thinks about the conditions for the promises of God, then takes hold of the promise, presents to God the conditions fulfilled, and then makes his request. Nehemiah acknowledges the fact that they are sinners. He also acknowledges what God has said, that if they sin, he would take them away as captives, but when they repent, he would bring them back. And he's presenting to God yes we have sinned but you are the one who has brought us back in that you promised to do it when we repent and there are some of us who are actually worshiping you we fear you that's what he was saying to God since we fear you fulfill your word that you have promised that you will bring us back and prosper us I learned from here how to pray the prayer of faith. It is something that we have learned over and over again, but it needs to be instilled in our minds. We see it over and over again that the just lives by faith. This is what it means here. To fulfill the conditions based on God's promises and then take that promise to him, present it to him, present the fact that the conditions have been fulfilled and then request that the Lord should do what he said he would do. Nehemiah loved his country and his country was not just about Jerusalem but he he understood the spiritual condition and their spiritual standing on this earth he knew that they were not just an ordinary people and the cause of God was so important to him this is how it ought to be for us today the cause of God needs to be very important to us when we hear about God's church and its state how do we react to it Nehemiah now did something after this. In the book of Nehemiah 2, reading from verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 12th month, this was four months later, he came before the king attacked Zexus, And then, because of the importunity and the situation he found himself, he couldn't go on his knees to pray. He prayed right there when he was before the king because he found an opportunity where the king asked him, Why is your countenance like this? Why are you looking sad? In Nehemiah 2 verse 4, it says, Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make requests? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? and when will thou return so it pleased the king to send me and i set him a time moreover i said unto the king if it please the king let let us be given me to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till i come into judah and a letter unto asaph the keeper of the king's forest that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertaine which appertained to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that i shall enter into and the king granted me according to the good hand of my god upon me amen nehemiah brings to mind how to use the position and influence that god has given us for righteous and holy purposes position and influence are talents this talent is entrusted by god to men to be used to bring about results that will further the kingdom of god Reading from Upward Look, page 243, it says, from paragraph 2, There is constant temptation for human beings to consider that any influence they have gained is the result of something valuable in themselves. The law does not work with these, for he will not give to any human being the glory that belongs to his own name. God would have everyone under his supervision and recognize that to God belongs all the glory of their success. If the human worker will walk in all humility of mind looking to God trusting in him working out his own salvation with fear and trembling the Lord will cooperate with him it is God that works in us to will and to do of his good of His, for his own name's glory he will give his wisdom his divine power to everyone who is doing his service He makes the humble, trustful servant his representative, the one who will not lift himself up and think of himself more highly than he ought to think. The life of such an one will be dedicated to God as a living sacrifice and that life he will accept and use and sustain. Our life is not our own, it is Christ's life and is his and we are to spend our powers in doing the will of God. Watch and pray, spend and be spent in doing His will from the heart, carry every entrusted capability as a sacred treasure to be used in imparting to others the knowledge and grace received. Nehemiah After gaining so great an influence over the Persian monarch in whose court he lived and over his people in Jerusalem, instead of ascribing praise to his own excellent traits of character, his remarkable aptness and energy, stated the matter just as it was. He declared that his success was due to the good hand of God that was upon him, he cherished the truth that God was his safeguard in every position of influence. For every trait of character by which he obtained favor, he praised the working power of God. And God gave him wisdom because he did not exalt himself. The Lord taught him how to use the gifts entrusted to him to the very best advantage. And under the supervision of God, these talents gained other talents. Amen. End of quote. What does this teach us? That we are to use our influence of position or the talents given to us for the work of God and we are not to take any praise to ourselves. We have seen that when we were studying about Nebuchadnezzar, how he was humiliated. Nehemiah even after he received help from the king did not say it is because of how smart I was it is because of my planning and my business analysis and my project management skills that I was able to receive the help from the king but he said according to the good hand of the Lord upon me the the king granted me my request so we also should understand that firstly learn to use influence in the right way and secondly do not take any glory to yourself Nehemiah also did not trust to his position. He prayed earnestly, confessing the sins of his people. God had given them a promise through Jeremiah that if they confessed their sins after 70 years actually that they would come back to Jerusalem and according to Daniel they were supposed to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. So, Nehemiah was leaning on these promises to pray to the Lord for deliverance. We are to learn the lesson of taking God at his word and asking in faith, like I've mentioned earlier. Another lesson that we are to learn here is the lesson of planning so that we can make our pitch so that it can be viewed as worthy of attention. Now, it's very important that we come to an understanding that God does give wisdom. The Hemiah, like I have already said, did not take glory to himself saying that it was by his wisdom or his own excellent traits of character or his remarkable aptness and energy that gave him success. Rather, he declared that the success was due to the good hand of God that was upon him. Now how was the good hand of God upon him? Is it just because he just went there and said anything and the good hand of God was upon the king and touched the king's heart and then the king just gave him his request? No, let us not think that way. Christians need to learn the lesson of business analysis. Nehemiah didn't just think that since the Lord has said he will wish we had to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, when I go and meet the king, I will ask him for whatever I want and he will just give it to me like that. No, he planned. So that when he goes to meet the king, he will make his speech well. And when the king asks him his questions, he will be able to give an answer that will be convincing to the king that the project was possible. And then the king will support that project. We as Christians need to understand these things. The decree that had been given to restore and rebuild Jerusalem was given, but yet there needed to be some planning. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 262, paragraph 5, it says that Nehemiah, for four months, Nehemiah waited for a favorable opportunity to present his request to the king. He had a sacred trust to fulfill, in which he required help from the king, and he realized that much depended on upon his presenting the matter in a way as to win his approval and enlist his aid. I prayed, he said to the God of heaven. And in that brief prayer, Nehemiah pressed into the presence of the King of Kings and won his side, won to his side a power that can turn hearts as the rivers of waters are turned. Nehemiah end of quote. Nehemiah did not just go to make a request of the king. His getting the approval of the king depended on how he was going to present what he needed to tell the king. So he studied to find, first of all, the best opportunity. Ever heard of something called a SWOT analysis, where you check your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunity, and the threats? Nehemiah knew about this SWOT analysis, and he checked all these things, and he already knew his pitch. And when he came to the king to make the request, he had also studied how to so present the request that it would seem viable this was necessary and that he may enroll the interest of his stakeholders, which in this case was the king and the queen. Reading from Councils on Stewardship, page 185, paragraph 2, we are told, we should become acquainted with men in high places. And by exercising the wisdom of the serpent and the harmlessness of the dove, we might obtain advantage from them. For God would move upon their minds to do many things in behalf of his people. If proper persons would set before those who have means and influence the needs of the work of God in a proper light, take note, in a proper light, these men might do much to advance the cause of God in our world. We have put away from us privileges and advantages that we might have had the benefit of. Because we chose to stand independent of the world. But we need not sacrifice one principle of truth while taking advantage of every opportunity to advance the cause of God. End of quote. And this was what Nehemiah did. He presented his case in a proper light to the king and he got the king's approval. I was mentioning something called the SWOT analysis before. This is something that we need to learn. So that when we are asked questions we want to do things for god we are working to do reforms and now we have schools to build we have um restaurants to also uh, build we have publishing houses to build even churches but you don't have the money that's the case nehemiah was in but he was able to present his case to the king to show the king how this would be of benefit to themselves and to his province. He was able to tell him how possible it was to be done. He gave the king even the time for the project. This was project management work that Nehemiah was doing here. God's people need to learn how to manage projects. The Lord is not pleased with us having a low grade of mind and education and reasoning He expects that those who work for him are to be men of learning men who would not do a haphazard shoddy job but people who would work succinctly straight to the point know their onions be able to tell when this project will be done what are the things needed how much will it cost is it possible to be done in the first place what are the threats to the project what are the hindrances what are the risks and how can these be overcome should in case this risk present itself how will it be met how do you rate your risks high low if the risk is probable what do you do if the threat is looming what do you do these are things that god's people need to know if you present your case in a very good light it shows that you know what you are doing and then the likelihood that god will touch the heart of the people who are having the means is high and they are using their own senses too don't think that God will just go and turn touch their heart and they will just do whatever it is that you tell them to do because God touched their heart. God will not even want to work with you if you cannot do proper planning. So we need to learn to plan properly, to present our pitch in such a way that it will be convincing to those who have the position and the means to assist us and this was what nehemiah did another thing is that nehemiah took his opportunity quickly he wasn't wasting time and saying no the time is not yet immediately the king spoke to him he prayed in his heart seized the opportunity and he he was granted grace from the lord this is a lesson that i have read in some past devotion from the book testimonies for the church volume 3 page 498 paragraph 2 It says my brother you need to cultivate promptness away with your hesitating manner you see that nehemiah did not hesitate he was quick to take the opportunity if nehemiah missed this opportunity he may never have gotten it again Continue the reading it says you are slow and neglect to seize the work and accomplish it you must get out of this narrow manner of labor for it is of the wrong order. When unbelief takes hold of your soul, your labour is of such a hesitating, halting, balancing kind that you accomplish nothing yourself and hinder others from doing. You have just enough interest to see difficulties and start doubts, but have not the interest or courage to overcome the difficulties or dispel the doubts. At such times, you need to surrender to God. You need force of character and less stubbornness and set willfulness. This slowness, this sluggishness of action is one of the greatest defects in your character and stands in the way of your usefulness. Your slowness of decision in connection with the course and work of God is sometimes painful. It is not at all necessary. Prompt and decisive action may accomplish great results. You are generally willing to work when you feel just like it, ready to do when you can see clearly what is to be done. But you fail to be that benefit to the cause that you might be if you were prompt and decisive at the critical moment and would overcome the habit of hesitation and delay which has marked your character and which has greatly retarded the work of God. This defect, unless overcome, will prove in instances of great crisis, disastrous to the cause and fatal to your own soul. Punctuality and decisive action at the right time must be acquired, for you have not these qualities. In the warfare and battles of nations, there is often more gained by good management in prompt action than in earnest dead encounter with the enemy. The ability to do business with dispatch and yet do it thoroughly is a great acquisition my brother you have really felt that your cautious hesitating course was commendable rather a virtue than a wrong but from what the lord has shown me in this matter these sluggish movements on your part have greatly hindered the work of god and caused many things to be left undone which injustice ought to have been done with promptness. It will be difficult now for you to make the changes in your character which God requires you to make because it was difficult for you to be punctual and prompt of action in youth. You should realize the value of time. You are not excusable for leaving the most important though unpleasant work hoping to get rid of doing it altogether or thinking that it will become less unpleasant while you occupy your time upon pleasant matters, not really taxing. End of quote. So here we are still learning the lesson of how to take opportunities quickly. Nehemiah took his opportunity quickly. God expects us to be prompt, punctual, decisive in our work, take opportunities and then the Lord may bless our work but we must learn to be good project managers, to plan properly, that we may present our case to people in such a way that it will be attractive, in such a way that it will be convincing that at least we would have done our part. But having done that, we are not to trust to our own wisdom and say that it is by our strength that we have gotten the success. But we must remember that having done all we can, we are still to pray just as Nehemiah prayed. He had stayed for four months, hoping for a favorable opportunity to present the case to the, to the king. During that four months, he was making all his plans. A holy purpose had, uh, had been impressed upon him and we too, we have a holy purpose. You may have a holy purpose and say, the Lord is impressing me to start a school or to start a health food store or he wants me to do an evangelism in a particular location whether it's online or even physically. God wants me to even do medical missionary work. You should not go and do it uncautiously or do it haphazardly, you are to plan. For four good months, Nehemiah was waiting for a favorable opportunity but while waiting for the opportunity, he planned. Sometimes the opportunity does not come for us but let us make our plans and keep them on ground so that in- immediately the opportunity comes, we will be ready to seize it. I remember listening to that man, Noah Harari. Who is talking about the great reset and how they want to change the world in the, and they discuss it in the World Economic Forum? I remember him saying that they have already laid down their plans. They are waiting for a crisis in the world so that the minds of the people will be susceptible and they will then bring out their plan and execute it speedily when the people have their hearts susceptible. These are the people of the world like god said the children of this world are wiser in their generations than the children of, uh, of, of god so we need to learn like we read now the wisdom of the serpent what is this wisdom of the serpent and the harmlessness of the dove simply put plan that's all then wait for the opportunity don't rush before the opportunity plan first and do not go when there is no opportunity yet when you now see the opportunity seize the opportunity knowing that you have already made the plans, kept it on ground and the plan shouldn't be just one haphazard plan of saying oh I have thought about it but then you must strategize, not just to plan you must have a strategy and tactics how you are going to achieve your aim. Nehemiah when he got to Jerusalem, he knew what his threats were already, he surveyed the place, we will see that in subsequent devotions he knew his threats, he knew his weaknesses he knew his strengths and his opportunity he had already taken he was successful may the lord help us to be better christians representing him properly that we may be like nehemiah with the holy purpose but not stopping at just the holy purpose but also being effective workmen let us pray dear father in heaven we thank you for these lessons you've given to us on how to plan and be good project managers and, and do some analysis on things that are around us and how we can use this to further your work There's a lot we do not know. We have just seen that it is necessary for us to have these things. But how to do it, we know not. So we pray, Lord, please teach us. As you inspire us with a holy purpose in our hearts, we have work to do in planning and strategizing. I pray, Father, please help us so that we will not misrepresent you or do a shoddy, haphazard job, but we will do your work thoroughly, effectively, and well. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. If there's anyone out there who has that purpose in the mind that you have put it in your heart please bless them with intelligence bless them with the mind to plan as you bless nehemiah give them the wisdom give us all the wisdom and may all glory go to your name as you do this in jesus name i have prayed amen